To see examples of what we talked about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Welcome everyone to Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast with no direction. What's up, everybody? You know the song. You know this voice. It's your boy, Rook. Joining me, as always, is the man who loves cats. It's Mr. Don Moore. That's me, and I do not. <laughs> I live with two of them, and they're fine. And I, they like me, and I'm good to them, but they I'm not a cat person. <laughs> Don, it's just us. Let's talk comics, buddy. You know it. Now... I was waiting on Skype, Rook came on, and Rook is all excited because I'm sorry I made you wait so long, which wasn't bad, but he had to finish a book, so now I need to know what it is. Oh, okay. All right. We're starting with me? Okay. <laughs> so, we've talked about this book before. Uh, if every, if everybody remembers, uh, not I think, it, was it last year or year, the year before? I don't even remember. No, it was last year. Yes. Last year, I went to Atlanta. And I found this awesome little comic shop called My Parents' Basement. Yes. Very cool place. And, of course, what's the first thing I do when I go to a local comic book shop? I try and find the local comic section. And I found this awesome book, I remember Sidekick that. I for could. Hire. Yeah. Sidekick for Hire is an, is an Atlanta-based writer. His name is Christian Herrera. Now – I was able to pick up the first issue of this book, and it was fun. Uh, basically, this book revolves around this character, Leo. Leo is a college kid looking to make some money, and superheroes have just started to show up around uh, in, in the area. So he, Leo decides to hire himself out on a Craigslist-like ad as a sidekick. Huh. The problem is, is Leo is a really bad sidekick. The first issue opens up and Leo gets his hero killed. And then we find out this is not the first, not the second, but like the third hero that's died as Leo's while Leo's been their sidekick. So already first issue, I was like, man, this is wild. This is so great. Well, a while back, uh, the final issue, issue five, was put up on Kickstarter. So not only was I able to pick up issues two, three, four, but I got the final issue as well. And I finally sat down today and was able to read all of them together. Oh, nice. Oh, man. This this series is absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, Leo makes a lot of really bad decisions, I have to tell you. Okay. First and foremost, Leo made, Leo makes some really bad decisions in his life. You know, uh, he's a college kid just trying to get some money so he can make it through college, and he doesn't like working fast food. He doesn't like working other other any other job. Sidekicking is fun. It pays a lot of money. Well, why? Because most superheroes are millionaires. Oh. Oh. What a fantastic little little joke there. I love that. Uh, I got such a kick out of reading this series as a whole. And 
I'm, I get to the end of it and I finally read this last issue and I'm going, and now I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but this book is absolutely fantastic. Uh, like I said, Leo, Leo ends up under the mentorship, mentor being mentored by, wow, words are hard tonight. <laughs> <laughs> he gets mentored by a superhero, Nightwolf and Nightwolf, you know, he, as Leo is a screw up, he screws up, pisses Nightwolf off, and Nightwolf is like, "You're fired." And then that was issue three. Uh, issue four introduces the big villain after we've kind of seen the villain a little bit and got kind of an idea of, you know, the 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 villain. And I I, I put villain in quotation marks because the idea behind what they were trying to do was. You know, interesting, but wrong. Wrong way of going about it. So it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I get what you're trying to do, but yeah, that's not how you do it. So it's absolutely a fantastic read. Um, I really would encourage anybody who is interested in this book checking out the uh Checking out the artist or the writer, pardon me. Uh, Christian Herrera has uh, a website. Uh, it's super easy to find. Uh, what it's like ChristianHerreraWrites.com or something. Hold on, let me let me let me pull this up real quick. Oh, it's just ChristianHerrera.com. Of course, we'll have that link on the blog and everything for everybody. But it's you know it brings up a lot of interesting ideas in the book of. What would what would happen if superheroes started being a real thing, and what what like how bad would people get screw up? Would people die? Oh, guaranteed. It's all. I mean, it's it's almost a given. And this book doesn't pull punches with the idea that you know people are gonna mess up, people are gonna do the wrong thing for the right reasons, or try and do the right thing the wrong way uh you know it's it's a great fun book at a surface level read but then when you start thinking about the idea of what happens if there really are superheroes you know yeah they're trying to do good but there's mistakes and it this this book doesn't pull the punches on that and that's what I think I really enjoyed more than anything else is that, you know, here's this college kid trying to balance life, you know, trying to balance college and relationships and family is hard enough. Now add in trying to be a sidekick to a superhero. Yeah. It, it gets difficult. Well, see, when you're tell- telling this story, the first thing I think is just some slacker just kind of wanting to hang out with somebody that does the job but then you think about it even if you're doing that still physical it's still dangerous it's still hard you have to put a lot to it yeah but you can't be inept at something even if you want to do it and i've never liked sidekicks except i know it's always said robin batman and robin yeah the rest of them always irritated me and the one i realized it really irritated me was DC Comics, I always talk about it. They did those 100-page super spectaculars in the 70s. Those are my favorites. 
And you could always read Batman, Superman, Flash. And they always had a lot of Golden Age characters you never heard of, which to me was a thrill. And one, and I've only seen one story, but it was TNT with Dan the Dynamite. And they were a Batman and Robin kind of trio. They had these brightly colored costumes. I don't remember. I guess they must have had explosives or something. But Dan the Dynamite was the this boy sidekick. They looked like Batman and Robin in really weird-looking costumes. But I'm reading this on a Greyhound bus going to Texas, and it really offended me when it shows, you know, TNT out fighting in the streets, all these bad guys, and then Dan the Dynamite, little kid, punches a guy in um, the chin, and TNT says something clever, you know, this is your purchase or something, and Dan yeah. the Dynamite goes, and here's your change, and he hits him, and I thought, who does he think he is? <laughs> And then when I said that, I was thinking, you know, I was 10. And I was thinking, you know, I never thought that to Robin. I always cheered for Robin. I always like, you know, hey, Robin. But yeah. Bucky Barnes of Captain America, who I, I did like, but I never really, it never made sense to me why you'd have them. And um, when Frank Miller did The Dark Knight, which we've all read, Robin was gone. And Batman, you know, he's in, in, I guess, 60s. And he kept saying, Dick, where are you? Dick, where are you? You're always, you know, you're always there when I needed you. And he basically, through narration, made you realize how tactical Batman used Robin. Yeah. And um, that was good. But again, sidekicks were something I never really understood. And um, I wouldn't hire a sidekick off the Craigslist. <laughs> You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of like the absurdity uh, of it, too. You know, it's like, you know, uh, so it shows one of the one of the other superheroes that he worked for um, in, in uh, a couple pages of one of the other issues. And, you know, he, he's like uh, the guy's name is Dr. America. And he's like. Uh, you know, we've been standing on a roof on rooftops, just standing and looking around on rooftops for like a month. And the guy's like, that's what superheroes do, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this ridiculous character, you know. So it's like, you know, uh, part of part of it and, and part of part of some of the funny in the book is the fact that, you know, uh Leo, the lead character, who is the side. This book is it, the lead character is the sidekick, and it's his development as a as a character. Um, you know, so part of his development is like him, you know, dealing with like he keeps calling uh, like the bad guys goons, and he's like, "Come on, I got to come up with a better thing than that." And he's like, "Hey, douchebags! Hey, you know, you got you know." <laughs> he's like, "Are you goons?" He's like, "Really again? I got to come up with a better way to something better than that." <laughs> You know, uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's really funny because like the Nightwolf character is kind of this dark, broody, Batman-esque almost character, you know, uh, he's got the gadgets and he's got like the smoke bombs and stuff. And, uh, you know, here's Leo, this kind of like over the top, smart mouth, uh, you know, sidekick. Uh, so it's, it's really funny to see the dynamic uh, as the character develops and changes and he's trying to deal with just life in general, but also trying to be, be a good sidekick to these superheroes. Um, the way the book ends definitely, 
definitely gives you, you know, vibes for the idea of, you know, something further could happen. I don't know if uh, if the writer Christian Herrera has any ideas for moving it forward, if he's like done done with this character and this project, but uh, he's definitely created a world. You know, uh, something that you can sink your teeth into and take a look at further um, and and hopefully, you know, see see more characters and more stories from from this world that he's created just off of this sidekick for hire storyline. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking when you're saying that. I could see if you're looking at a legacy, if you're wanting to train somebody to. to move on, you know, for after you're finished. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I think it would be hard to find somebody to do that. You know, I mean, it's not like just teaching somebody to take over, even taking over your business. You know, you have to have a, you have to have a want, desire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Beatles. The Beatles' sons are all musicians. You know, John Lennon had two. George has one who plays guitar. Um, Paul has a son that I guess is a musician. Ringo's son is the drummer for The Who, among others. And he's, he's recorded with a lot of, you know, newer acts and stuff. So you could make a band. They have enough members. And it was actually Zach Starkey that came out. It's all over the Internet. He says, there's no truth to the super group of the Beatles kids. That's not going to happen. And his comment was, if we lived on roach-infested mattresses in some back, back theater in Germany, you know, for months on end playing, maybe we'd have a chemistry to work together and do it. This is, but we grew up basically with silver spoons in our mouth. You know, their kid, their parents were the Beatles. Yeah. And they said we don't, we don't have that. And I mean, you have to have a, you have to have a drive. You know, you could say unique mind, but it's mostly you have to have a desire and a drive. And I mean. If if you were a superhero, you have to have a desire to bring order out of chaos most of the time. Um, one thing about superheroes, I I've always been you know a reader. I've always liked them, even though as I've gotten older, I find they're silly, but I still love them. But of all things, it was um, a radio show that the science fiction writer Harlan Ellison did in the eighties. And this is when, I don't remember exactly the topic, but this is right before Dark Knight and Watchmen came out. And somehow they got to talking about comic book superheroes. And Harlan Nelson said something that I just couldn't get past. It shocked me. He said the idea of a Superman would scare him to death if it was real. Mm-hmm. You know, who would be afraid of Superman? Superman was wonderful. He was there to, you know, save kittens for people, help people. He saved the world. He he loved everybody. And then as soon as that, DC had a, a lighthearted comic called Blue Double. You know, it was a fun, lighthearted comic. I liked it. Um, they basically resurrected all the Flash's, you know, bad guys. It was fun. And uh, one of the first issues, Superman and Blue Devil were at Star Labs. Uh, some disaster happened. They're trying to fix it. And kind of find out Star Labs was trying to make kryptonite. Yeah. And it under lock and key. And Superman said, what? And Casey went rogue. You and I talked about it in the past. And I thought, 
why would you do that to Superman? And Superman was a little upset, and he goes, well, we're going to talk about this later. Well, as time the comics have gone on, they've shown Superman going rogue. Okay, I see it now, but when I read it, I see, basically, I look at it with the eyes of an eight-year-old, and, you know, adults are there to help you. They're not there to hurt you. And, um, so, yeah, I, I can see that, but I would just think, if you're going to train somebody to take over your job someday, I, I still wouldn't go to Craigslist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, the funny thing is, it's like, you know, it's not like you never get the impression in this series that Leo's intention is to become a superhero. You know, you kind of more get the idea that he's just this thrill seeking kid who found a way to make money off of rich people playing superhero. I got you. And it's, it's the series of mistakes that he makes in his personal life and in the, in the, in the masked life that lead him to where he ends up at the end of the book, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a heartbreaking, but it's a kind of a heartbreaking ending uh, for him in a way. But also, like, here he is. This is, you know, who he has become because of the decisions he's made and because of what he's gone through and the choices that he made in that process. You know, um, like I said, he doesn't always he doesn't always do the thing that you would expect a superhero to do. Um, you know, the, the situation in the first issue, uh, where he gets his hero killed, you know, you kind of left going, well, how the heck did you survive that? And when it gets explained, you're like, oh, wow. Okay. You're not a hero. You're not, you're not a good guy, but he's, but he's still 100% convinced he is the good guy. Um, you know, and and that's brought back around again uh, later on in the series. You know, are you the good guy or are you know are you the bad guy? You know, so it's um, it, it's a very interesting, you know, it, it's a fun read as far as like just like the idea of here's this idiot kid trying to be a, make money to be being a sidekick, but also it's like here's this idiot kid that's making decisions and doing things that are very dramatically you have to question his moral compass and why he has chosen to do some of the things he's done you know um you know oh i was forced into it i had no choice you know um i'm the good guy here you know well how much of the good guy are you really you know um it it would be interesting to see this character go forward and see if he continues to make the right decisions or the wrong decisions uh based on the scenarios that he's put in and you know part of it part i gotta tell you christian herrera is a great writer because he doesn't he doesn't pass the judgment uh, on the on the character in the book, he gives the reader the opportunity to pass the judgment as far as like 
was this the right choice? Was this the wrong choice? You know, um, should he have chosen path A instead of path B? You know, uh, it's it's a a fantastically written book. Um, He's got a few other series out there as well, um, including uh, stuff like um, one of his books is called Punk's Not Dead. Um, They're all available um, on his uh, his Kofi Kofi Coffee, however you want to say that site. Um, uh, they're available for purchase on there. And, you know, if you're interested in reading something like this, this is definitely a book that I would suggest checking out. Um, again, we'll have, we'll have the links available for everybody to check out and everything like that. Um, you know, uh, also let's just talk for a second about the artwork in this book. The artwork in this book is absolutely fantastic. Uh, the panel read, uh, the way that, um, the way that everything sets up and lays out. I mean, you know, you're talking about some really great artwork here. Um, very strong character designs. Um, you know, it's, it's really, it's one of, it's one of, <laughs> he, there's one point where he gets his cape stuck and he's like, hold on. Let me find this stupid cape. Why wouldn't they make this removable? time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like like just just some of the the inner monologue commentary is just absolutely hilarious and i mean and the kid the kid kicks butt i mean he's not a slouch he's not an idiot you know um right off from from go he even mentioned something to the effect of like he's a washed up gymnast um so you know it's it's one of those things where it's like he sets up you know how this guy is able to do this stuff but he doesn't do like over explanatory backstory to get you there you know it's it's all done in thought process and in conscious stream as the kids doing as leo is doing other things in the series i love that kind of stuff when you learn, learn as the story goes on you find more about them yeah yeah, yeah. Well, like even even like how he survives that first scenario, you're like, how how would you how did you live through that? And then you find out later, and you're like, oh, okay. Oh, you got me intrigued. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. You want to borrow these? I, uh, I'd love to hand them to you. Uh, yeah. uh, it's a great, great read. Um, you know, I personally got the physical copies uh, for the Kickstarter because I had the physical of the first one, so I've actually got two copies of the first issue. Um, and then I have the other five. Uh, the one book I have not gotten to read that came with this was a book called uh, Prolong. Is another one of his series? It's another one of his series. He works with a different artist on this uh, this one. I think this is just a one shot book. Um, uh, it, it deals with death. Um, that that much I know. I have not gotten a chance to sit down and read this, but I have gotten to page through it for a minute beautiful beautiful artwork in this book as well um i would imagine it's just as fantastic of a read considering uh you know how absolutely wonderful i found the sidekick for higher story um but this is some of the artwork from prolong yeah it is it's a lot different it's nice though yeah oh yeah it's very different um i was I was a little confused at first because I wasn't paying enough attention to the Kickstarter. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I thought this was like a, I thought this was part of the 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 sidekick for hire series, and so like when I when I picked this up, I was like, okay, all right, I just got to read this. Wait, this isn't the same. This isn't the same series. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it looks good, and if it's a one shot, I don't know why. Sometimes a one shot can be a really wonderful thing. You know, you don't have to track down other issues. You can read a nice story. Yeah. Yeah, it's a. It looks like it's a beautiful story. Uh, it looks like, it, it, from what I've been able to glean uh, from looking at the artwork on it, it looks like it's a story uh, regarding death, and you know, uh, a conversation with death himself, or themselves, however you want to phrase death as, you know. Um, Absolutely looking forward to sitting down and reading this one. Um, you know, it's uh, this was from uh, 2021 that he wrote this one. So uh, the back page is that this comic is dedicated to anyone that's called themselves a friend. So oh, that's nice. Well, yeah. and what it was about. I mean, of course, I still don't exactly know what it's about, but sometimes I didn't either because I haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes certain subjects, it's important for somebody to read something that they either need or they can relate to or understand. And that last part you just read, yeah, that kind of says what I was thinking. That's, I think that's a nice thing to have, even though you don't know what it is yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to this, um, uh, to reading that as well. Um, um, uh. I'm definitely a fan of Christian Herrera's work. Uh, have been since I picked up the first first book um, back in Atlanta last year. Uh, very much looking forward to <clears throat> diving into more of his stuff. Um, it's uh, you know he's got like I said he's got the sidekick for hire stuff. He's uh, he's done some anthology work as well. Um, uh, just. You know, like I said, it's definitely he's definitely one of those uh, one of those writers uh, just off a of sidekick that it's like, huh? Oh, let me think about what I'm reading here. You know, that's that's something. That's really something that you know, a lot of writers write surface level. A, a great writer can write beyond that and do so much more. So uh, it's it's really really fun to read stuff like this and uh yeah it looks like uh from what i'm seeing i just i jumped i just jumped over to his uh ko-fi and you get so there's four issues of sidekick for hire on here so i don't know how you're gonna get the fifth one but hunt it down it's worth it <laughs> it'll probably be added later once once yeah. all the kickstarters are shipped out Oh, and uh, I just looked. Uh, Prolong is actually a free off of his Ko-Fi, and the others are only three dollars. Oh wow! How can you beat that, people? Come on, you know. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely great. You know, uh, but like I said, uh, Christian Christian Herrera, uh, great read. Lots of fun uh, going through his stuff. Um, there's another book he has called uh, We Call Them Myths. Um, you know, just 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 random getting getting brought over to this uh, comic book shop by my friend Mary living in Atlanta, uh, my parents' basement. 
very cool little joint too. I think I talked about that on a previous episode. Yeah. Uh, pinball machines, uh, bar top, uh, full restaurant, and comic books. Yeah, yes. no, it's a win-win-win situation. Oh, yeah. That yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, it's. It's fascinating to me that the, the you know I've been to Atlanta and then Colorado in the last couple of years and I've been very fortunate to find like what I think are two of the coolest little shops possible with my parents' basement and Mutiny Cafe. Um, you know, if anybody else has some cool little shops that they think I should check out in my travels, send them <laughs> over. Send them over to me. I want to know about them. Nice. Nice. Don, what are you reading, man? Enough about me and my stuff. This could include you later. Oh, boy. What you got? Ah, yes. (laughs) Monkey Maids. Yeah, this is the book Monkey Maids. It's another tale from Existina. Existina. I can't say it. Lindsay, stop writing words I can't pronounce. <laughs> but, um, it's this is Manishi Press. Uh, we talked about it in the past. Now, Ryan Clater made me get Dwayne, or he sent me Dwayne. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, he I, sent you Dwayne. That's right. Yeah, I, I said I didn't want the book, but I got it anyway, and I ended up loving it. I can't, everybody should read Dwayne. And, um, but she has a whole series about him. And this is Monkey Mates. And I was already going to do it. And then Ryan sent, posted it on my Facebook page. He goes, oh, I guess you already know about it, but, well, of course, I going to get it. Um, and then Rook ordered it for me. Thank you very much. So now he's got a copy because I already yeah. got mine. Yeah, I, I literally backed that project thinking this is going to make an awesome gift for Don. Yeah. And, and then you went and got it yourself. Yeah, but honestly, it just that that's a good gift. It's just that you thought, hey, let me send it. And I'm sorry that <laughs> I'm not sorry because I really like this story. And um I was kinda backed up. It's been it's been busy around here. And I've had a, a stack of other things to read, but I did get to this. I thought, well let me start it and I I she really sucks you in. I mean, as soon as you start reading a couple of pages, you can't stop. I can't stop. But basically, it's it's a different story than Dwayne was in some ways. It has all the feels. It made me want to, I couldn't, again, I couldn't stop reading it. It's, uh, I'm guessing this is about 66 pages. No, it's more than that. It's um, 84. But... It's talking about relationship. The whole thing starts, somebody's got a a small place and their partner is away on a trip. And basically, he started talking about, and it's what Rook and I were just talking about with the last project. You're talking about, uh, you're learning everything through the narrative, you know, and basically tells how they met, you know, how, how they were going out and how they basically, she moved in with him. And then how she ended up moving it to another room. They stayed friends, but, you know, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Anyway, he's left. And they talk about, you know, having to make sure they cover rent. You know, they're both students, you know, and um, all this stuff is going on. 
And then for some bizarre reason, the guy sees an ad on, on a Craigslist type thing that you could get monkeys. And he buys all the monkeys that they have, uh, which I find absolutely insane. And I hate to say it because I'm rooting for the person. But I saw immediately why the girl moved into another room. (laughs) Why is she still there? I mean, it wasn't one or two monkeys. I can't remember the exact number, but it was a lot. It's it's a bunch. It's a bunch of monkeys, too. Like, I remember Lindsay telling us about this, and I'm just like, this is absurdity. Why would someone end up with, like, all of these monkeys? (laughs) Yeah, you know, and that's one thing. When you're in a relationship, there's going to be fantastic times and there's going to be hard times. I mean, it's just we're all people, you know, and I mean, sometimes sometimes it's things that you do yourself. You cause some things outside forces. Um, there's just things you can't always control. But buying, I don't know, it was like... I can't find in this book. It's like 37 monkeys he got. Um, and what blows my mind, they're all different monkeys. And yeah. this isn't like reading, as Rook and I have been talking about, martial arts comics and Marvel comics, where they're not, they're made up martial arts. <laughs> this is, they're talking about the types of monkeys what, what their traits are, you know, how they eat, what they do. Uh, a lot of the stuff he's learning on his own, he's looking it up online, but either she knows a lot about monkeys, she's researched a lot about monkeys, or she is the smartest human being walking on the planet and knows everything. Because I learned a lot, and I believed everything she wrote. And if she did make all this stuff up, Lindsay, why aren't you rich? <laughs> <laughs> but... Also, and this is what I like about this and Dwayne was, and it's like life. You don't, it's not what you think is going to happen. I was surprised over and over, some good, some bad. And they talk about um, why on earth he would get all these monkeys. And basically, you know, he can't afford this stuff. His, His partner doesn't know anything about it. And so he starts trying to figure out what he's going to do with them. What do you, what do you, I'm trying not to give very much away on this. But he starts renting the monkeys out. And I'm thinking, really? And he starts researching things and he starts doing it. And that was really something. And the people that rented the monkeys, every one of them, different, completely different types of people coming in. And reasons why they rented the monkey. And the whole time I'm thinking, oh God, I guess I'm just too cautious of a person when I'm reading this, but I wasn't expecting anything that happened. And then, um, you know, then it goes on. The partner does come down, finds out about all these monkeys in a little tiny place that's not licensed. It's not zoned. And, um, but the reactions... The whole book kept surprising me, and it just pulls you along for a ride. And it's not like, 
what I'm saying is it does it's not like you're being manipulated. It's just a really good story that's interesting. And um it's like when you have a really interesting week or month in your life and you're just kind of surprised all things happen and you look back on it, it's like that. And um and once again the ending surprised me. And I thought, well, it's, I guess that's how it should have ended, but I wasn't I wasn't expecting that. And it didn't all neatly resolve the way you tend to want to, but I don't see how this could have like, you know, there there it doesn't feel like there is any neat way to resolve. <laughs> yeah, but saying that it's not a disaster either. That's what that's what fascinates me because I mean, God, when I read this and I I root for all of my fellow humans. I hope everything works out for everyone as long as it's not hurting someone else. You don't want bad things to happen to somebody. And this one, I just like, oh, buddy, you know, if I was in the story, I'd be the guy pulling. What are you thinking, you idiot? You know, and stop. But. You're always surprised that usually what you're afraid of maybe doesn't happen. And that's what this was. But I mean, it, saying that, it wasn't perfect. <laughs> they're always on the verge of something. And it, there are things that happen. I mean, it wasn't, but it just, I don't know. Um, this and Dwayne really is something else. I'm, I have to say, I'm really looking forward. and. The next book you put out, Lindsay, I'm not going to have to wait for Ryan Clayter to remind me. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you, it's like what Rook was talking. These these are good books to have, and they're good books to pass on. I mean, they're they're small books. Um, I don't know if I'd say they're all ages. Um, I don't. To me, I don't. I think they're fine, but I've lent movies and books to people thinking they're okay and they're freaking out about something happening at home. I guess I just didn't think about it. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think the two of us read things differently than most people too. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, it's, we, we read things and we're like, Oh, this is great. This is awesome. And we're like, here, you should really read this. And we accidentally give something to like some, like, super conservative friend yeah yeah it's stuff like Although that i don't think I've, i have any of those well yeah but sometimes you're surprised when you lend something to somebody what they're upset about or i see one of my students i lent him that movie that west craven movie um the life aquatic mm-hmm. i love that movie i was really enamored when i saw it um my daughter was watching it on um comedy central and I only saw the first part, and I we're watching the different TVs in the house. And I walked by and said, "Have you seen this before?" Because no, I've always there's always been references to it and everything you see and hear. But then I had to go teach class, so I didn't see the whole thing. I ended up buying the DVD, and uh, my wife watched it with me. And I, you know, my wife and I is always there's some movies we both like. There's a lot of movies I like that she doesn't like, vice versa. But she was really taken with it. And again, it had a lot of surprises. I really enjoyed the movie. I loved how it went on, how it ended. It was silly and over the top and really strange. <laughs> but um, I lent it to one of my students and he came freaking out because there was a topless woman all the way through the movie on the crew. Well, 
saying this, it wasn't like it wasn't like Playboy penthouse topless. It was like a real person sunbathing on a masthead or something. You couldn't see very well. I didn't find it very attractive at all. But you know, he was in high school. <laughs> oh. And he's like, <laughs> oh. I didn't think about it. Okay. That'll get you in trouble these days, buddy. <laughs> well, he watched the movie. His parents didn't seem to mind. I mean, it wasn't like it was a sex romp or anything. It was just, but he was kind of freaking out. It's stuff like that. <laughs> Actually, I didn't really think about it. Forgot about that. It's just okay. This woman sunbathed him with no top on, but wasn't really that attractive. <laughs> but. Anyway, I highly recommend the Tales from Existia, however you say it. I apologize, I can't say the word you made up, Lindsay. But, um, yeah, I again, I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to more. I highly recommend both of these books. They're not comic books, but she can write, and she can really pull you in. So, yeah. again. Man, so I just want to... Uh, make a comment here real quick and uh congratulate our buddy ryan clater uh, who successfully did yet another campaign for his book one bite at a time yeah absolutely can't well. wait to get this thing in my hands oh did you order it oh yeah i did yeah i'm yeah, ridiculous I, yeah he 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 flew through that campaign i think he made all the stretch stretch goals um, you know what? I don't know. Did did he make all the stretch goals? I don't. I, I'll be honest. I'm a human being. I got tired of following it. <laughs> I get tired of seeing somebody winning all the time. <laughs> <laughs> somebody winning all the time. <laughs> I mean, oh, he won again. All right. I, you know, no, I was cheering for him, but after a while, I, I, you know, I got occupied. So it seemed like everything he's putting out, he got, but. You know, it's you know what good for him man i mean it, it's just absolutely a fantastic fantastic project that he put together here and uh hold on i'm gonna i'm gonna check did he hit all of his stretch goals let's find out real quick let's see hold on bear with me this is great radio for everybody listening <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's do this let's take a music break and we'll come back and we can talk about that there we go perfect all right Something that's encouraging, that's saying something message. I just want to encourage you, man. Never stop believing in yourself. Never give up on yourself. Not for sure. How much time you got left? You don't know. So keep chasing your dreams, reaching those goals. Always stay tired to be fearless. Never settle. I just want to encourage you, man.
You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click Click on the Cyclops. Your Dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Okay, that was Winter Atlas out from South Carolina. We played him before. Uh, someone that my daughter has found and is friends with, and uh, it's really quite nice music. I'm happy to play it. Anyway, if you're interested, there's a link to the page. I can't remember if it's SoundCloud or where it was, but anyway, you can find more information on the on the artist. Anyway, Rook has just looked it up, and what's the verdict? The verdict is that oh yes, indeed, Ryan hit all. Of his stretch goals. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm tired of you winning, Ryan. <laughs> all the time. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, Ryan, we love you, man. It's uh, congratulations again. It's fantastic. We are so proud uh, to know you and watch what you do, man. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and one thing when I, I'm saying the winning, that was hard work. Yeah, it's no, it, work, and he's teaching other people how to do that kind of work it's what he's always been about so yeah well 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 deserved and well earned and i i am happy yeah and mad at the same time (laughs) (laughs) oh man so don i know you're not big on like all the shows and the crazy and things like that but i want to talk for a second about uh a book that has been turned into a show uh, by Robert Kirkman, that would be Invincible. Yes. The, the comic book Invincible is a massive series. I don't even know how many issues there are, but, uh, you know, the big joke during season one was like, uh, you know, here's the omnibus, and then people holding like 10 pages, and they're like, that was season one of Invincible. <laughs> oh. Uh, so there's a huge amount of that, a huge amount of story to be told with uh, what with Invincible that they've turned into a cartoon series. Um, it, it's a fantastic and fun ride. Um, I never actually read the Invincible comic. Um, I, soon as I'm able to, I'm going to be picking up some of those some of those uh, graphics or maybe the yeah. maybe the massive omnibus, and uh, I'm going to be checking this thing out because, dude. Gonna, I have something to say on this. Dallas had, I don't know how many issues, the first 15 issues, maybe. This is before you're doing the show. And he, he lent them to me in little groups. I could not wait to go read these. And when I've seen this, everybody knows when I grew up, I read a lot of DC comics. I love the Justice League. I love the Legion of Superheroes. I love, you know, all that stuff. Green Lantern, Flash, Superman, Batman. And reading Invincible, it's a different animal, but it made me feel like DC Silver Age of comic books. And I could not wait. And after I finished them, I brought them back to Dallas. He brought me some more. And um, again, I it took turns I wasn't expecting. It was just neat. Now, when I finished, I hate to spoil a 20-year-old book now, but... <laughs> <laughs> but where I, I I finished reading was when he found out his dad, who was the main superhero on Earth, 
was really part of the invasion force. Yeah. And basically the military told him, now you're in charge. And he just learned he's super. And his dad was slowly starting to teach him some things. I don't think he even has his driver's license yet. And I think, wait a minute, his dad is going to run an invasion force on Earth with all these super beings and advanced technology. And I, I brought the last books to Dallas, waiting for more. And he goes, that's all I have. What? So I thought, I'm going to get them all. Well, this is the time I'm taking my daughter to college. We're in Tallahassee. Tallahassee at the time had three really neat comic stores. We didn't really have much out here. And um, so I go to these shops. I would start buying things I couldn't find. And one shop had a lot of the invincible trades. And I'm like, okay, I want to get them. They have a lot of trades. I don't know how long this series went on. Like I said, Dallas lent me probably 15, 17 issues. But I just started thinking, I really love reading it. I think if it was coming out and I was buying them, I'd be happy to get them. But I got overwhelmed with how much there was, and I didn't buy one. There is 144 issues. I got it. But saying that, I can't stress the writing really keeps you interested. The artwork and character designs and all those alien creatures, other superheroes, it wasn't like anything was threadbare. It was like, we've said this on, on past episodes, when you read comics, you can kind of tell where the character came. If it came out from the, the 40s, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, there's a trait. And that's one thing that makes comics rich is, you got all this history and all these well-created, well-designed, well-thought-out characters. And then sometimes you get some knockoff that doesn't last very long. But this one, it seemed like an old world where you had, it was just, and they changed the artist somewhere in that strip. I couldn't really tell. I mean, the other artist was faithful to what the other artist did. And I thought, well, that's something. Um, I bought the first three trades I found at Wilson's Book World. They had them. They were a price I didn't mind paying. I eventually probably will get the other ones, but seeing that, I have a bottle. I guess there's just so many, but fantastic. And I've heard uh, James Perry, a friend of ours, was talking about he liked the show. I think you've liked the show. And I've read somebody had posted that they think the show has outdone the comic now. You know, really? yeah, no, I, 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 I don't I, know. I'll have to read the book to make that decision. I mean, there's 15 right. trades. But so, have you been watching the show? I have. I'm caught up on the show uh, with the second series, along with the Adam Eve uh, special episode that for some reason, Amazon keeps insisting I have not watched. Um, <laughs> really frustrating. Like every, every single time I like load up Amazon, I'm like, Ooh, new episode. No. Yeah, so robots are messing with you, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally messing with me, man. It's, it's, it's killed me. You know, it, it, this is this is one of those shows that I imagine the production time on this show, the lead out on it, must be a ways out uh, because you know they've only done I think like five episodes for the new season, and uh, you know it's like it, this is one of those shows where I'm just like more, more. 
give me more, give me more. You know, this is this is definitely a show that once it's done, I can see myself like binging the entire series. Yeah. You know, I just hope that superhero fatigue doesn't take effect on a show like this because it is it is really really great production um, value on the show. Uh, it's it's an interesting story and it just gets weirder. You know, I, I've I've spoiled a few things as far as like you know some TikTok videos and and stuff like that that are out there, uh, so I know a few things that happen later on. Uh, so the sh- the story just keeps getting crazier and crazier all the time. Yeah, it's um, I saw I think I saw the first episode when James was talking about it. I had access to Netflix and I watched um. I maybe watched two episodes. They were good. I mean, really good. It it was like reading a comic. That's, mm-hmm. that's high praise. Um, I just I don't have Netflix. I haven't really sought it out. But and I know <laughs> I, I know that they whenever you're doing a movie or a television series, you can't follow the comic book religiously. It becomes its own animal. Sometimes I think maybe. The creators are like, well, you know, it would have been better if you would have done this in the book when we were doing it. You know, you you have a different thought. You have a whole crew. It's a different medium. I understand why they change things. But from what I understand, when we're talking about a show that I haven't watched, but somebody was saying that it's surpassed the comic. I don't think as far as material, I think what they're talking about was what they're showing. I think they've done some things that people are like, wow, that's something. Um, yeah, I when Invincible TV series comes up, I always think high thoughts of it. And you're you're just basically adding to that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a great series, man. And, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm longing for more. So, you know, at this point, I have no choice. I have to go get the trades. I have to I have to start reading the series to see what happens that way i can be even more thrilled when the book when the when the show comes out and be like "Ooh, that's this part uh, right. i do that really annoying thing to my wife where i'm like oh watch this watch this watch this and she's like oh, really it's <laughs> like we're married to the same woman <laughs> <laughs> but um okay we'll finish it out this is going to be a comic book roulette. I got a in the dollar box up at Yancey Street South, which they really have fantastic dollar boxes. It was a comic. I found several of these. Tug and Tug and Buster. This is Happy Birthday. Tug from Tug Buster. From Buster. What is this? Well, here's the back cover. Oh, Art and Soul Comics. Okay. Yeah. This okay. is Mark, Mark Hempel. Um, in the 80s, first comics had a series called Mars, which is, they only did 12 issues. It was a comic I loved dearly. It was one of my favorite comics, and it was bone crushing when they, they canceled it. And as a matter of fact, at the last issue, I think it was Mike Gold was the editor of these. He was the DC editor before but he was saying um the sales weren't up of course because i liked it but 
he said um, his sales weren't up, but he wanted to take a chance. And he brought up that he was behind Steve Ditko's Shade, the Changing Man at DC Comics in the late 70s. And he said the same thing. It was unique. It was interesting. And it didn't sell. And he was never sorry he did it. And he said he, he was saying the same thing about Mars. I'm not sorry. Well, I'm sorry you canceled it. Um, again, it was just unique. It was a, a crew of people, men and women, to go to Mars. And then it doesn't go as expected. And I loved it. What was strange was it was by two guys named Mark. There was Mark Hempel and Mark Wheatley. Mark Wheatley has gone on and done um, he's done a lot of comic books. He did Frankenstein Mobster, which we talked about on the show. Um, very versatile artist, both of them. Come to find out, I guess, I guess this is in the late 70s. They were out of school and they went to Marvel Comics in New York their portfolios and John Romita who was the art director he looked at us yeah guys this is really nice work I said but I can't hire you I'm really struggling to find work for the people I got right now you know he's afraid he's gonna have to get rid of people so he basically sent them out so they started doing their own work um, the first time I ever saw I know Mark Hempel did a a couple of stories in Epic Illustrated, you know, Marvel's heavy metal knockoff. Yep. That's a terrible thing to say. I love the magazine, but, <laughs> but, um, one of them, it was like three pages and it blew my mind. And I remember, you know, he wrote and drew it. And one time I lent it to a friend and my friend's freaking out about this three page story. Basically, you're looking and somebody's like waking up. So you're seeing everything they see. He's like, what is this? Where am I at? And then all of a sudden he looks and his hands look robotic. And he's kind of panicking. He's looking around. He's like in some kind of operating room or something. And then all of a sudden there's a nurse there. And uh, she's like, oh, you weren't supposed to be awake. And he's like, where is everyone? Where's my wife? You know, and he said, what is this? And she's trying to calm him down. But then, um, I don't know if she was a nurse or some liaison. Anyway, a man comes in. They're surgeons. And they're like, like the military, they just start yelling at you, you know, basically forcing you. And he's asking these questions, and the girl was trying to explain to him, and he's panicking. But they had an idea for a suit that you can live out of. And you don't have to eat. Basically, it, it takes your waste and regen, you know, redoes it, and that's your food. Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks. It remakes your own oxygen, but you live in a suit, and they're trying to. It's for the military and miners and all this stuff and other planets. And basically, they were going to drop him off for, I don't know, seven years or something like that. I understand. I'm. I don't even think I was twenty yet, and <laughs> seven years is a long time. <laughs> and um. But these other two men come in and they start acting all militant, you know, yelling at him and stuff. Basically, he finds out they couldn't get anybody to volunteer, so they just took him. They <laughs> did this to him while he's unconscious. And then they drop him off on his planet. And then they leave. It isn't three pages. You're like, what? Basically, you're left in isolation on an alien planet in a, a situation you don't want to be in. 
what are you going to do? And it ended there. Anyway, that was, I don't know if it's both of them or it's Mark Hempel, but there was another story he did like that. It was a few pages of surprise ending. Anyway, he's, whenever he does something, I always pick it up. I wasn't aware of these. They're from, well, this one's from, um, like you just mentioned, it's from Art and Soul Comics. The other issues, I bought several of them. They're from um, Image. He brought them over to Image. But, you know, he's published himself. He's he's done all kinds of stuff. Um, again, Mark Wheatley does too. And I think they brought Mars back, but it's one of those campaigns, and I'm not doing it. But hopefully I'll be able to read it later because I really like Mars a lot. But this is black and white work. I really like the. Uh, oh, really wow, good. yeah. He's good at illustration and lettering yeah his hash lines and everything and this is really cartooning he can go from cartoony to he tends to like this more harvey kurtzman kind of stuff but he can draw i hate to say it but manga anime kind of style yeah so anyway i'm happy to get them i'm happy to look at them I hate to be a negative person. I, I really don't enjoy reading these. <laughs> <laughs> I was jumping up and down. I think they were looking at me at, at Yancey Street South because I, I got, I don't know, five, seven of these. But it's basically, um, Tug is like um, a big greaser, like a football player kind of greaser, like Elvis Presley or something. And uh, Buster is this little fellow down here who worships him. <laughs> and then they have these really bizarre friends, um, which neither one of these people would hang out with. And that's the stories. Tugs never really says anything, but maybe one word syllables once in a while. The little boy is the one doing all the talking. All kinds of, this isn't all ages, all kinds of things happen. I mean, there's nothing crude or anything, but it's just, some of the subjects wouldn't be for everybody. Um, it's kind of fun and out of, out, out of the way, but I don't know. It's when you're trying to read seven of them, not so much. Nevertheless, the artwork is sick. I would say that the writing, it keeps my interest. It's just not material I enjoy. But, I mean, he, he is writing. He's, he's as over the top everything is, I believe it. That's <laughs> all. So, that was Tug and Buster. Uh, everybody knows I follow his comic religiously. Sergio Organez grew. Oh, yes. And this is in the, wild. in the wild. Yeah. This is in the wild. It's uh, four issues. Um, whenever Gru comes out, I grab it. It's never stopped being good. Um, I heard Sergio Organez in an interview one time say, they get letters in mad it's just, and the person feels like he's an authority saying i've been reading mad since the very beginning <laughs> and, you know basically something they didn't like so they bring it up and serves your said that's sad that's sad that you you've read every issue and never moved on most of us read mad magazine in middle school i was you know sixth seventh eighth grade and then you kind of you always love it appreciate it probably pick up some of the books and stuff, but you kind of move on, you know, even though it's really good work. But um, when he said that, I thought, well, yeah, but 
I followed Groove. The uh, first time I saw Groove was in Destroyer Drug. The first one, it was, uh, I think, a three-page story. Uh, it wasn't really any words. It was just, I thought, fantastic. i never seen him do anything like that. And then when Pacific Comics picked it up, bought every issue, followed into to Eclipse, followed into Epic Comics, followed into Image, followed into Dark Horse. I followed him everywhere. Um, and if I have missed issues, I find them somewhere. Anyway, Scott Connor told me that he read these online and he wasn't impressed. He read the first couple of issues. Um, I read the same issues. They're fantastic. Um, basically, Gru shows up. He's a wanderer. He always shows up. Nobody wants to see him because he destroys everything because he has no thought in his head. And he's fantastic at swords. He likes to fight armies. <laughs> He always wins. And um, it's the stories, even though it's the one premise, the stories can be really clever. And one of my favorite lines is when he went to Dark Horse Comics, he was smart. What? And basically, the people followed him and did whatever he said. And he kept popping these berries in his mouth. And he says, okay, what we need to do. And everything he said made sense. It's like what a hero does. We need to divert this. We need to do this. And the people, yeah, that's a good idea. And they're doing it. And they are good ideas. But it destroys everything because there's something else on the other side of the environment, the, the location, whatever. And basically the point when that old story was, even though he's smart and well-meaning, he still messes everything up, you know, yeah. which is how it is in life. That didn't last very long, and it was the berries he was eating was making him smart. That was way back in the mid-90s. Anyway, this one, him and the dog show up in this one place, and he remembers being there. And he's talking about, you know, they're always eating wildlife and fish and everything. Everything's gone. And there's a kingdom that's basically trying to control everything, take over everything, basically control everything and sell it back to you instead of letting you fish and hunt, you know, which is the society we live in, the world we live in. But um, Captain Ahax, my favorite, is in it. You know, the, the captain that crew sinks all of his boats. Anyway, I I disagree with Scott Connor. I love you, Scott, but I love this. Anyway, the story finished. It's four issues. Um, basically, I just want to point out and say, Scott, you're wrong. These are great. And everybody should read Gru. And I'm sorry that Serge Gaines thinks it's sad, but I've read all the stories you left, and I never get tired of them. So maybe I haven't grown as a human being. <laughs> <laughs> We're both just adult kids. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And finishing this one up, um, Love and Rockets 14. Oh, geez. Wow. Oh, I like the shirt on him. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that. I like the shirt he's wearing. Here's the back cover. It's Maggie and Hopi. I, you know, now they really changed a lot. Yeah. Now, this, you know, they brought it back as a magazine. They did 50 issues from 1982 on up. There was um, a magazine size. Then they split up, and the two brothers are doing different comic book series. And, um, then they came back and did Love and Rockets as a, a comic book. And then they did a, a square bound book they do every year called Love and Rockets News Stories. And those were nice. I bought them. I think they did eight of them. 
and then they returned to the magazine. Well, I love both of them, but I found I wasn't really enjoying Gilbert's stories so much. This is, you know, he's following one of Luba's sisters, and I, I just haven't enjoyed the stories. And I guess he does because they just went on. And it's been said at one point that Gilbert says everybody hates the character, but he wants to do these stories. He's talking about maybe doing that character in a series of standalone graphic novels. Mm -hmm. That made me happy. Anyway, Jaime's stories are always fantastic. So anyway, these are hard to get. I don't see them in any store. And when I was at Wilson's, I told them, can you get it? Never got them. I, I asked them again. They did start getting them. Now I'm at, you know, Nerd Out Comics. Had on my list, never got them. Asked a few times. They finally got them. Um, I missed a few issues. I guess they're hard to get now, so thanks. You know, but... Anyway, I came in, they had 14, I didn't ask for it, and I, I told the lady, says, give your husband a kiss for me. Goes, oh, I'm going to do that, it's going to be weird. It is weird, but nevertheless, it's from my heart. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it starts off with Gilbert's story, and um, life, in dark, life in the Darkness. And I just told you, it's, it is about the character, it's that black silhouette at the top. Yeah. But it's really neat, you got a top strip. And you got a bottom strip. The top strip is vertical, like a normal comic. The bottom strip is like a like a newspaper Sunday comic. And it's that way all the way through. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. And basically, Luba's sister, one of her, she has two sisters. It's the same mother, and it's in that story that Dallas lent you that you hated and said, "Please take it back. I want to see this again." Poison River. That was the first of his stories that I didn't really enjoy. But basically, it started out strong, but it talks about Luba's parents, where they came from. Well, the mother was really beautiful. She was married to a rich man. She was banging the gardener, had a baby. The rich man knew it wasn't his and booted her out. And then um, slowly through Love and Rockets, you're following Luba's story. And then... You start seeing the sisters in Los Angeles. You know, the mother's working, I don't know, different jobs. And the kids are basically on their own. Those stories were really interesting. It, it got better after Poison River ended. But um, anyway, one of the sisters, she looks like Fritzy Ritz from the Nancy comic that we talk about. And, um, and she has a lisp. Always had a lisp. And she uh, becomes a, a therapist. <laughs> And one thing you talk about in the therapist is um, because of the list, she thinks people feel more comfortable with her and trust her more because, you know, she has um deficiency, I guess, people look at. It's something I'm not so bad if you don't talk properly. But later, she becomes a porn star. And that's where I get tired of it. And then it seems like she has, I don't know how many different kids or clones of her, you know, other people trying to be her. It gets boring. Anyway, in this one, her mother was doing films, too, in the past. Um, never really made it much. But she did an art film. And this story, basically, her daughter redoes the film. So you're watching one, the vertical one, is the old film. The Sunday strip at the bottom is the daughter's film. And I have to say, 
Yeah, that was neat. I that's that's some high concept. I like that. Yeah, now that's that's eleven rockets. Both brothers did stuff like that all the time, and um and you know I hate to force anything on anybody, and I'm sorry that you read Poison River and hated it. I I did too, <laughs> but those stories that came out of Heartbreak Soup to me are some of my favorite comics. Yeah, in fact, it's on my reading list now. I have. The first two, it's basically, I guess, the first four issues of Love and Rockets, and those are in there. I've always wanted to lend them to you, see if you'd read them, because those are, those are terrific. And, I mean, more than what I got, there was Duck Feet, there was a bunch of stories that came in after Heartbreak Soup. And, like I said, Poison River, the first couple of Love and Rockets issues, they did it, were neat. And then Poison River just went on and on and on and on. And it was, yeah, it was a droney book. It was oh, just, yeah. Uh, well, both of the brothers, and at the same time, Jaime was doing Love and Rockets X. And he was telling his story, another story. And that's the first time they did super long-form stories. And they said they're never going to do that again. Of course, that's kind of what Gilbert's doing with, with this character. But... As a matter of fact, I said Fritzy Ritz, you know, for Nancy, but her name is Fritz, it's Fritzy, or Fritz. <laughs> so, she is her, but I don't know, that was, but the other stories are terrific. Jaime, his writing is just getting stronger and stronger, and he's dealing with the fact that Maggie and Hope, you're older, they're in different relationships, different lives. I, I've never seen comic characters grow old like that. You know, they started out, they were young people, and basically it's his age, so have they. And in the, I guess a few years after Love and Rockets were going on, Maggie was cute. You know, a little, little heavy in a hind end, but still beautiful. And, um, after a few years, she really gained weight. I mean, I remember his brother Gilbert said, I know you said you're going to, you know, put weight on her, but not that much. I mean, she got obese. And then... The brothers were talking, this is all in the late 80s. They were basically trying to figure out what to do with her because they were Los Angeles punks. They were heavily into the punk rock scene. So, of course, these girls were. And he said, um, now they're older. And, of course, they both became cartoonists. And I said, but what are we going to do with the girls? You know, they're not going to become cartoonists. Well, they did. Uh, Maggie moved on. She, um. Hopi was of the band, went to the East Coast. The band broke up, and she's trying to make her way back to Los Angeles. Maggie um, ends up somewhere like in Nevada, Arizona, out in the desert, and she starts managing a hotel. <laughs> and um, anyway, she's back in L.A., and when these stories came up, I was kind of... Hopi wasn't in them. She'd mentioned Hopi, and then... um. I can't remember what it was. I think uh, Maggie's boyfriend, she ended up marrying Ray. Hopi and her, her partner was asking Ray to be the sperm donor so they could get her partner pregnant and have a kid. And um, so Ray brings it over and Maggie comes out. And of course, it's somebody, a character you know so well. And all of a sudden they come out and her appearance is completely different. She comes out, matter of fact, oh, you got it, thank you. And then she leaves. I'm like, well, that's it? You know, it's, it's somebody that you're intimate with. You read them all the time. You like them. And they come out completely different, don't really give you the time of day. Of course, you know, since then they've ape sex, the band they followed has a big reunion. 
All their friends come back. All their friends are old. You don't even recognize them until you hear them talking. And uh, now Maggie and Hope are basically working on what their relationship is now. Now they're both two different people. I find that fantastic. Um, I always thought Gilbert was the better writer and Jaime was the better artist. That's not really fair because they're both great at both of them. But I find Jaime's writing has gotten just as strong over the time. He, how he puts things together, it's surprising. How he puts the stories together, just writing-wise. Oh, that was something. Anyway, but now Gilbert, this last issue, I, I enjoyed both of them just as much. Anyway, I know I've talked a long time. And nice. It's, again, nice. another long show. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh, um, and Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Happy Yule. Yeah. Um, enjoy all the holidays that you support and, and practice. Um, anything else you got? Not all I got today, man. I got you. You've heard all the, the droning that we've done on the other ones, so there's a t-shirt. Send us a cover. Send us a song if you got it. I'm not going to say anything else anyway. Um, and enjoy the rest of your year. <laughs> and, um, anyway, everything we say, we've talked about, can be found on bunchofdorks.com. Click on the Cyclops, and you can find all the links and everything we're talking about on the show. Anyway, thank you, everybody, for listening. And in the meantime... Read more comics. <laughs> <laughs>